0: Kindred Church is a Christian community gathering in Reno, Nevada. We employ a dialogical teaching style, but for the sake of privacy, we remove the participants' responses from the recording. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, we'd love to have you join us in person or online. For more information about the church and for our service time, location, and virtual gathering options, visit KindredChurchReno.com. So, we've been doing Why We Do What We Do. Okay, so we're going through some of the weird things that happened in Christianity. We got communion and baptism and raising hands and singing to God and all kinds of weird stuff. So we're kind of going through that, and we decided to take a week and talk about Church leadership, because we're almost a year into this thing, we're still kind of ironing out some of the wrinkles and figuring out how we want to establish our leadership and how we want to structure our organizational chart and things like that, all that stuff. And being a transparent church, we wanted to just totally lay that out before you guys, have you speak into it, ask questions, say, Oh, I don't like that. And then as we're kind of building this plane as we're flying it. So, my job as the resident Bible student is to kind of get us going about why we do what we do with regard to church, why do we need to organize and have a leadership structure, et cetera, et cetera, based on kind of the biblical story. Genesis 1 and 2 has so much richness, you guys. So much of the, the blueprint for how God wanted to interact with the world, why he created the world, if we just wanted to peel back some of those layers and look at it a little closer. So in Genesis 1, we see... God ordering the cosmos. If you look at it closely, God's not creating dust and matter out of nothing. We, we don't come into the Bible and turn to page one and, and see a vacuum, right? There's some things there. The spirit of God is hovering over the water and he separates uh, light and darkness and calls them night and day. So what we see in Genesis one is taking disorder and putting it into order. Then God creates humanity, and he tells them to continue his job that he started of ordering this world. He brings these animals in front of him and says, name these animals, and then I want you to work the land. So the idea is God creates the world, he wants it to be ordered, and he wants humanity to do that for him. That's our purpose. Our job is to care for the earth and work it and enjoy one another. So yeah, God's intention was to partner with humanity to establish his reign over this world for them to be a force for good and to ensure the flourishing of creation. And we all know what happened, right? Humanity rebelled. We decided to go eat of that tree that we were not supposed to eat of. So from that point on, God has been implementing his plan to restore creation and humanity to the place where he first intended it. So God is calling us always from the beginning to be his agents for good. This is the purpose for the church today. Jesus is the pinnacle or the ultimate example of what humanity was supposed to be. Through allegiance, trust, and faith in Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit and we can once again, albeit in a limited fashion, become what God intended for humanity. Once Jesus comes back and redeems humanity and creation and restores this world, then we can finally and ultimately be the people God intended us to be, one that loves God and cares deeply for one another and the good world that God gave us to care for. Until then, we have to plod along in the already and the not yet, in the in-between time, as a faith community, we live into the calling as much as we can by loving others deeply and caring for the marginalized communities among us and stewarding the earth well and being a force for good. Last but not least, to enjoy this good world that God gave us. He gave us community. We are gifts to one another. Everybody stop. Look to your left. Look to your right. Everyone you see around you, everyone here is a gift from God to you. We are supposed to enjoy each other We should be striving to get to know one another more deeply and intimately. To have each other over for dinner. Have that third glass of wine and establish some deep relationships so that in the ups and downs of life, we have each other. In the joys and sorrows, we have this family. Because hard times are gonna come. So we've got brothers and sisters and and family members around us to come alongside us and care for each other and love one another. That was God's intention. When we focus on what God originally planned for us, Our agendas change. We gather on Sundays to be together, to learn more about our good God that loves us, that he wants the best for us. His plan was to bless creation and humanity through the nation of Israel. But I honestly believe that when God moves and acts, that it's the people of God moving and acting. His plan has always been to act upon his creation through humanity. It's up to us, guys, to love one another, to see the injustices in the world and say, that's not okay with me. That's not okay with the God that I love and I serve. And we're gonna step into that hurt and brokenness and do as much as we can to alleviate some of the suffering in this world. Not for the purposes of getting as many souls as we can into the salvation canoe, but because people are hurting and they're hungry and they're cold and that's not okay with us. This is why we organize leadership. We lead and we operate out of a place of lowliness and weakness and not power. God laid down his life when he had every right to reign in power and glory. He didn't. He came down from heaven. He washed fecal matter off feet. And then he went willingly to the cross to restore us back to God so that we could be God's good stewards in this world. And there's no end game. We are to faithfully take on each day for the purposes of being God's agents for good. This is God's purpose in building his church. And we at Kindred feel strongly that our leadership exists for this purpose, to teach and to lead God's people to live into this calling. One of the most famous verses in the world is is God so loved the world that he sent his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. This is not a verse about personal salvation the way we may have understood it before, but a promise for the restoration to the way God intended creation to be. Personal salvation is a beneficial byproduct, to be sure, but when that's all we focus on, we are missing a huge part of the gospel message. And we need to get back to the mission God initially set us out on, to be God's agents of blessing to the world, which he so deeply loves that he sent his only son. So we did found this church on a few principles that differ quite a bit from the mainstream. One of these issues that I'm going to get into today is women in leadership, because there's so much in American Christianity that excludes women from leadership that I'm going to focus on that today. What I'm going to do is kind of a quick survey of women in the New Testament. So we're going to look at some of the actors in the New Testament that the Gospels mention, that Paul mentions, and see that there are women doing important things in the New Testament. So Phoebe. Phoebe's the first woman mentioned in Romans 16. And she's vitally important. I'm actually going to do a, like a research term paper and this semester in seminary on Phoebe. So I'll probably have more to say on this. So Romans 16, you guys, this chapter is just glossed over, right? But it makes sense because if you read the book of Romans, I mean, you're just, have you ever tried to walk through three feet of snow? Well, we can be honest, right? Reading the book of Romans is dense. And by the time you get to chapter 16, you're like, oh good, Paul's wrapping it up. But there's a list of people and some greetings that Paul makes. But Phoebe was Paul's chosen letter carrier. She's also listed in Romans 16 as Paul's benefactor. She was wealthy. She was a prominent member of society. In Romans 16:7, we learn that Junia is a prominent apostle. So scholars believe that Junia and Andronicus were also likely among the early Jesus followers that he sent out in twos in Luke 10. In Romans 16, three, Paul mentions Prisca and Aquila, our husband and wife. They are being co-workers in Christ Jesus. And the woman, Prisca, is listed first in the pair. And in ancient literature, the most important person is listed first. So when we see Priscilla listed first when they're mentioned together, that leads us to think that Prisca had the higher status. There are also many prominent women in the gospel accounts as well. Mary and Martha hosting Jesus in Luke 10. And Martha appears to be the head of the household. In Luke 24, The angels after Jesus' resurrection appear to Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, and other women who were there with them after Jesus had risen from the dead. These women were chosen to deliver the message of the resurrection of Christ. I could go on, but the point is this. Women were present in the New Testament, and they were doing important things. And we strongly believe that women need to be in the room where important decisions are being made, especially here at Kindred Church. Women need to be the teachers of the word when that is their Holy Spirit-given gift to the church. So that's what I have. Liz is going to take us a little bit further as far as the culture.
1: So now you guys got some historical context of why we have leadership. We kind of went down a little bit of a rabbit trail of women specifically. And now I'm going to kind of bring us back to our leadership culture specifically at Kindred. So... When I say the word culture, it's not a static thing, and, and Rob actually talked about this. It's ebbing, it's flowing, it's pivoting, It's there's movement, there's action, there's change, you see something, and it needs to be fixed, and um, or like God is bringing um, order to chaos, It's it's moving. That's something I want you guys to get right away in the sense that things will change, things will move. Your influence, your presence here is a catalyst for movement in our little kindred culture and also our community. When I say leadership, how many people thought of an org chart or a triangle or something like that where you have like the person at the top or the group at the top and then it like filters down to the bottom of the foundation? Most things in the world are kind of structured that way when it comes to leadership. But we are thinking about that a little bit differently here. I own my own company and my company actually operates a lot like this too. So it's been a company now for eight years and I've seen this model work. So this isn't something that is a nice thought, like, oh, that would be cool if this worked out. It actually is working. What I'm trying to say here is this isn't just idealistic. So if you look behind me, we have a circle creating momentum. You could think about it like that when it comes to leadership structure. You know, if either of those circles is a voice or a roll that have different strengths, or you could think about like one of those. My husband calls it a clickety clack thing, like the little balls on strings where you lift, you know, the ball on one side and it sends shock waves through it, and then like flings out the one on the end, and then that comes back and sends shock waves, and it's a continuous motion, right? Unless you stick your hand in there and mess it up or take one ball out of the clickety-clack. <laughs> and each one has their, its own purpose or each piece of the spoke in the wheel as its own part of the structure. So are we just talking about the pastors? No, we're talking about actually every single person in this room would have a role in leadership. Brene Brown, does anyone know who Brene Brown is? Oh, thank God. Here is her definition of what a leader is. So a leader is anyone who takes responsibility... For finding the potential in people and has the courage to develop the potential. Let's break down taking responsibility for finding potential in people. Has anyone in here ever changed a diaper? Okay, so in that moment, you took the responsibility for the human that didn't have the power dynamic of being able to remove themselves from their own excrement and thought to yourself, this human deserves the dignity of not carrying around a bag of feces on their butt. It's a silly example, but I just want you to see, like, that is you stepping in to the power dynamic and developing the potential in that little young person. So now let's maybe bring this up a few levels. Um, Has anyone ever taken responsibility for a department's success or failures at work? Has anyone um, ever stepped up at church because they saw a need and felt it was their duty to make sure that it got filled? Have you ever noticed potential in someone else and taken on the role of cultivating it? So just in general, have you you done that before? Are there any teachers, counselors, moms, dads, brothers, sisters? There's so many different ways that we can be leaders who are looking around us and taking responsibility to foster this potential. Now, the second part of that phrase, the needing courage... And I'm actually also going to add the word capacity. This is where I think it can get tricky and where we rely on that momentum in that community. Because have you ever seen a diaper that needed to get changed, but you didn't have the capacity or maybe courage to change it? You know? (laughs) Have you ever noticed that you could spot the potential, but you were too afraid to step in or the power dynamic didn't allow you to step in? Or you had so much that you were already doing that for in your life, you didn't have the capacity to step in? Or maybe you could notice the potential, but you have your own sets of trauma or triggers that made it really hard to have the courage or capacity to step in. That's fine. It doesn't make you a bad person for not stepping in in that moment, right? That's where we use this momentum together and this community together to still voice the needs, to voice the potential. And then there are people around us. That's what we're building a community here. There are people around us who maybe will have the courage or capacity to develop that potential. But the voice matters, the perspective matters as well. Each one of us has a voice and a perspective to bring to the table, even if not every person has the courage or capacity to do something about that as well. Here are some things that we have defined as important about the leadership culture, specifically at Kindred. If any concept is at the core of who we are and what we do, it's that we are Kindred. We believe deep in our bones, all human beings are made in the image of God, finding commonality in our equality and dignity before God, as well as one another. We are equal. We each have dignity And I can't emphasize enough how important this line is in here to our leadership structure. It means that sometimes that we need to slow down enough to understand everyone's unique perspective. We need to slow down to understand their gifts. Each one of us is going to have different ways and unique perspectives and gifts that are so specific to the way that we have been made. And with Rob's example, like how God has said, steward this earth. It's not that it's one person stewarding, right? It's all of us together. So each of us will have a unique perspective and something will be missing if it's not all of us. So we have to slow down, we have to ask questions, we have to listen, and then we need to be willing to take responsibility to correct the inequities when we see them or to foster the potential of each voice. It's not as quick sometimes. We're getting a lot more feedback from each other. So our approach to belief and the way that we talk about our beliefs, even from up here or when people are asking like what kindred believe, we're trying to also be as open and humble as possible with that. So it means that we're loving and teachable when it comes to what we know, how we know it, and the possibility that we could be wrong in our thinking. So we can learn from each other instead of assuming that a title or a leadership role gives a special privilege to be more right. So mutual multi-voiced leadership. To borrow some church speak, Kindred is egalitarian. This is much of what Robert was just talking about. It has a mutual and multi-voice approach to leadership. Egalitarian means that any qualified person may fulfill a leadership role within the church, regardless of gender, sexual orientation, or other demographics. Kids too. And our mutual multi-voice approach to leadership means our church is guided and led by a team of people, not only one individual. So you'll notice there's not like one lead pastor here, and that is creating that balance and diversity. Okay, and then I unfortunately have to have its own slide for this, Just because I think for a lot of people there's been some bait and switch, so I just want to be super duper clear that all means all, and we are wholeheartedly welcoming LGBTQ folks into all aspects of church life, including as qualified leaders. All right, here's our structure. That wheel that I'm talking about, each one of these has their own role. No one is more important than the other. A lot of the inspiration of this structure comes from the general nonprofit organizational world, and then also some New Testament, like deacons aren't normally part of a nonprofit thing, but board of directors is. So we're kind of mixing and mashing some different roles here together. Church members, it's an opt-in role that says you would like to be considered as part of the church. You see yourself as someone who wants to attend gatherings and desires to know and be known by the other members of the church. And knowing who wants to become a member helps everyone to make sure you're given the opportunities to engage with what the church is doing. So if we're doing a family meal, we know we have your email address. Simple as that. Nothing crazy. And then it also helps, you know, the other leaders know who it is that they want to foster that potential in. You're not forgotten. (laughs) If you're going to opt in as a member here, we want to know what you think. We want to foster that potential. Volunteers, these are folks that are task oriented, servant leaders that recognize the tangible needs of kindred, and they thrive on participating in such tasks. This could be from setting up communion tables to serving in the kids' ministry. Um, They find joy in being behind the scenes serving the community. And how often they serve can be customized to their capacity and their availability. They are given structure and support from the deacons within their area of volunteer work and are invited to give feedback and share wisdom with the deacons to foster the potential and culture of the church. It also could be someone who wants to take responsibility for a lot of things but doesn't have a lot of capacity. This is a great role for that type of person. Volunteers don't need to be Christians either. It's anyone that wants to be involved in this community, anyone that's resonating with what we're doing here. Deacons. If you don't know what a deacon is, just come ask me later if you're curious. It's a New Testament word that we're pulling from here. Not only do they actively see a physical need and fill it, They also take joy in planning and strategizing on how to better and more efficiently accomplish needed tasks by leading individual ministries that are formed to serve specific purposes. They create ministry structure, they organize schedules, they're recruiting and empowering volunteers to serve alongside them. That could be things, you know, again, does not have to be teaching. It could be, as Rob was talking about, this mission to also enjoy each other. It could be hospitality. Hospitality could be your jam and you're like, I know how to facilitate a good party that people can really get to know each other. And that is my thing, and I want to create structure around how we get to know each other better through hospitality. So, you're saying there's an opening to take in the parties? Yes, 100%. Let's put that on the website for sure. Deacons will have a yearly health checkup with one of the pastors in which they have the opportunity to provide feedback for the leadership or opt in for another year or shift into a different role. And obviously that would be welcome during any time, but sometimes people just need that meeting for it too. For those who are in partnerships, couples can assume the role of deacon together, but they can opt in as individuals as well. All right, pastors, these leaders take responsibility for the spiritual health and formation of the church. This is the Brene Brown influence right here. They are saying, I'm going to take responsibility And I have the courage and capacity to foster the spiritual formation of this church. So there's some accountability and responsibility here. Pastoring the verb is something that many of us can do. We pastor each other. You pastor your kids. But those with this role are opting in to be responsible and accountable to that type of community care. They provide additional support to the deacon's ministries and assist in caring for the individuals on a spiritual level within those ministries. They are the ones that are going to be slowing down to empower individuals across the church to have a voice. There's some really key pieces of character here about leadership that's going to be really important. They're humble, willing to admit when they're wrong. They're empathetic. They're also the ones that are going to be fleshing out church doctrine and theological foundation. That's because they also facilitate the corporate teaching schedule. And then the pastors work in tandem with the board of directors to implement the vision of the church. And just because I mentioned teaching, one doesn't need to be a pastor to teach at Kindred. Board of Directors, this is a diverse group between eight and 10 individuals, diverse in race, ethnicity, age, gender, and sexual orientation, in order to represent a wide range of perspectives. And in this role, the members of the board focus on high-level strategy, oversight, and accountability of the church. You can see how the board of directors, pastors, and deacons, they're all working together as a part of the core leadership team. The volunteers, pastors, and deacons, they're all working together as part of a ministries team. You'll see that kind of get fleshed out more in the coming months The church members have access to all these different people. That means their voice is welcomed. Their perspective is important. Fostering potential in them is important. Church members are not the bottom of the triangle here. Here's my quick summary since we went through so much stuff today, you guys. As Rob discussed in its biblical arc, we went over leadership as part of bringing order to chaos. Women are invited to be leaders at any level. Everyone in this room is a leader in some capacity or has the potential to be one. And our culture of leadership is made of different roles that create that momentum. Got it.
0: We hope you enjoyed what you just heard. Kindred Church is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. If you find value in the ministry of Kindred Church and would like to contribute to our efforts, visit kindredchurchreno.com to donate. If you'd like to get in touch with us, email kindredchurchreno at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.